While COVID-19 served as a turning point for telehealth and remote care, our next guest had already created an industry-leading virtual healthcare experience for patients and healthcare professionals well before the pandemic. Julian Flannery, CEO of Sumus, joins us to discuss how and why his organization has built a virtual medical platform for companies across the country that creates an elevated healthcare experience for their employees and supports better, cost-efficient outcomes across all health questions and stages of care. Join us to learn how Julian and the Sumus team are setting a new standard for speed of access to high-quality medical expertise that is driving industry-leading engagement with employers. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Julian, welcome to our podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thanks for having me, Mike. Great to be here. Well, given your mission to empower families at every stage of their healthcare journey by bringing personalized expert advice to every medical decision, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. But before we discuss your amazing and inspiring journey, Julian, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Clubhouse in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Julian, it's almost time for our community to learn how Sumus is informing medical decisions through fast virtual access to the world's best medical expertise. But first, what's that one piece of advice that you would give to others who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world? It's a great question, Mike. I tell you, I'd say the following. I'd say have respect for the complexity of healthcare. So many entrepreneurs think about disruption. They talk about, quote, reinventing. Healthcare is like government. You can't make it go away, all right? You've gotta innovate on the edges. You gotta think about, okay, I think I need this much runway. That means you need 2X, whatever you think. And then you gotta be resilient and you gotta be persistent, right? Because you're dealing with big entrenched players that have billion dollar balance sheets that don't move that quickly. So you got to have respect for all that whole complex. But if you're focused on the edges and you got a great idea, you'll be quite successful. I love that. I love that advice, Julian. And I think also to expand on that, you have entrenched players from multiple sides, right? You have government, you have the payers, you have providers, you have the patient, i.e. hopefully we start thinking about them as a consumer soon, right? So you have all of these different players that are deeply entrenched in the largest industry in our country. Thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, it's the reality. I see a lot of decks from folks who are starting companies now or want to start companies and they're like, wow, we're going to reinvent this entire sort of ecosystem. And I'm saying, well, why don't you pick a sliver of that ecosystem and let's talk about being great in that sliver. I think you're right. There's so much opportunity in healthcare. There's so much room for disruption, but you have to have a certain level of humility and boldness. Generally, I think in being an entrepreneur, but I think in particular in healthcare. 
I love how you frame it up too, Julian, in regards to bring humility to the game, right? I mean, because you're right. And I love them. I'm very fortunate, just like yourself. I get to work and interact with a lot of innovators, a lot of entrepreneurs that have either been in the industry for a long time or outsiders trying to come in because they see this huge opportunity. I'm going to disrupt this entire piece of healthcare. And you're right. It's tough, right? All these stakeholders and orthodoxy that a lot of healthcare is married to, if you will. But having humility for where we are, where we're trying to go, respecting that, but finding your niche and really building on that. I think that's a powerful, powerful piece of advice. Yeah, I think it's right, Mike. I'd offer one other sort of edge case on that, which is wisdom matters in healthcare. In other words, in some companies have been built by 20-year-olds and they've become billion-dollar companies. A lot of healthcare companies, they're run by people with a little bit more experience. And not to say that's a, you know, you don't need to have that experience, but it really helps, right? Understanding of an ecosystem, having respect for, you know, sort of the, the system, if you will, the miles under your belt is not a bad thing in healthcare. <laughs> There's a lot of complexity to it, and there is nothing wrong with being a student, a perpetual student of the healthcare game. I couldn't agree more with you on that as well. Well, Julian, I know we have a lot to cover and I'm looking forward to diving into your story, your mission, and your journey with Sumus after we get back from thinking our community champion sponsor. Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real, lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, everyone at Catalyst works side by side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, Cirrus MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation. Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus or host an upcoming event, visit catalysthealthtech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Julian Flannery, founder of Sumus. Julian, we have a lot to discuss today. We just covered a lot of what we should be thinking about in healthcare, having the respect, having the patience, having the wisdom. It takes a lot to build a company within this very complex and big industry. And you weren't in healthcare your whole career. So I'm looking forward to hearing your founder's journey, how this all came to be in the first place. Then, of course, we're going to talk about where is Sumus today? What are you guys experiencing in the marketplace? And then, of course, you know, things are moving quite quickly right now in healthcare. Where do you see things going, not just for the industry, but for, of course, your platform? And then how we can be helping you out. But for now, take us back. Let's hear a little bit of that journey. We'd love to know some of those aha moments. How does this all come to be in the first place? Great question, Mike. I'll take you back to when I was in, I think, a freshman in high school. And my uncle, who's one of these world-class surgeon types, you know, took me in on the rounds. I probably shouldn't have been there, you know, put my best suit on, all that kind of stuff, and did eight hours of rounds with him. And he's a urologist, so it was an interesting, interesting journey for me. But I came out of that. He looked me in the eyes. He said, Julian, this is a hard road. You're smart enough to do this, but are you really ready to do this? And it was in that moment where I was like, I don't know. And so the reason I tell that story is... 
one, I came from a family of doctors, so I deeply understand the psyche of physicians, the journey, the effort they put in. And two, I have a deep respect for medicine, the people who've chosen to do it, the people who have put themselves on that path to really save people's lives, help people with their health. It is not an easy journey. And you really have to think about these incredible athletes who dedicate their lives. And these folks have literally dedicated decades of their lives to doing that. So I was fortunate enough, you know, uh, I came out of Duke and I sort of had two passions. One was sort of business and economics. The other was public policy and to some extent politics. I sort of fell into that bucket early on in my career. And like a lot of things, you kind of work hard, you're in the right position, you're sort of fortunate. Ended up working in the White House for a little while. So really understood the public policy making process, understood the sort of branches of government, their different roles, what it means to craft a piece of legislation and, and all that kind of stuff. And then I went off to uh, I went off to grad school, um, business school, and then I sort of made the transition back into the world of business. Was in finance for five years. Ultimately realized, you know, and this is important for anybody in their lives that I was sort of a lead build person versus a sort of invest advise sort of, you know, be on the board type type situation. Ultimately, you got to be really authentic about what you're pursuing and it's got to align with who you are as a person and your goals and all that kind of stuff. So I was convinced at 30 years old that I could be a good leader operator of a business. And, you know, I looked at a bunch of different businesses and ended up joining a pretty cool business called GLG. And GLG today is the largest expert marketplace in the world, about a half a billion in top line revenue and just a, a really, really neat business with the simple premise of really connecting people in a very curated way so that people can solve hard questions or whatever the questions are. And that can be, you know, uh, and that's directly with individuals around the world, right? So it's basically primary research through a, through a tech-enabled platform. And the beauty of that is you're, you're not really, you know, you're not reading a report, you're not Googling, you're actually talking to the source and you're having a dynamic conversation about how do I solve this? And that could be anything from what's the political climate in Kazakhstan to trying to talk to somebody who's turning the uh, wrench on planes to understand how the construction of a plane is happening and the sort of manufacture of it and whatnot. So those two things came together. And I had an old friend from Duke who went down the journey of medicine and ended up transitioning into life sciences and investing. You're having coffee one day in New York and he said, well, geez, you know, what if we did GLG for healthcare?" And I was like, wow, that's interesting. I know nothing about healthcare outside of, I know a lot about medicine just from my family, but I don't know anything about healthcare. But I studied it and I spent a lot of time thinking about it. And what I realized, there was a really interesting application for our model. And that's because you had this dynamic whereby physicians and their expertise, there's a huge kind of asymmetry in the market and efficiency in the market for their expertise in sort of a volume-based game. And then in the other side of the market, you had patients who, A, struggle to find the right types of doctors. How do they get in to see them? And then when they get in to see them, you know, the average appointment in specialty care in particular is like 13 minutes, right? And so the whole thing was highly unsatisfying for both sides, right? The physicians and then the patients. And so back to the original point of sort of picking a niche in healthcare, we felt like we could apply that model and take combination of historically, it was kind of telemedicine, but then, then there was this kind of second opinion thing. We thought we could take that to a whole different level where we'd create a marketplace where the best physicians in the world could provide advice and guidance and engage with patients all over the world on you know issues from everything from pediatric development issues and more simple diagnoses all the way up to ALS and cancer. And so that's really the spark of the journey and happy to talk more about that. But it really was sort of these two things kind of coming together, understanding the physician mindset and then deeply understanding how to run and build a human-driven marketplace, which is different than goods. 
humans are complex and you have to design tech and service that works for both sides. <laughs> I love the journey, Julian. I appreciate it. Of course, we're going to dive deeper here. The company you founded and with the vision and the mission that you just described with your good friend over coffee. It's amazing how companies are built sometimes and turned on. I love it. Just over a simple cup of coffee. I got you on the podcast. I can do this because I'm just personally curious. You mentioned you worked in the White House. How's the food there? I just got to ask it. How's the food there? Is it good? Is it really? It's excellent. Well, it depends, right? I mean, if you go to the executive dining room, I didn't have the rank where I could walk in there and just kind of sit down and have a meal, but my boss did. And so I went in there a couple of times and there's a couple of things about it. One is magical. You're in a room that is no bigger than sort of a small restaurant and, you know, you're having lunch with somebody and like you're looking over and you see, you know, Condoleezza Rice and Andy Card and all these people and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to, you know, spit my food up on myself, right? (laughs) And the food is good because they take a great, you know, Navy chef who's making food for the president you don't mess around when you make food for the present. So it's okay. <laughs> I had to ask. I'm an Italian. I love my food. So I had to ask. I've never been able to ask, how's the food in the White House? So good, good yeah. to know. So, and the desserts are tailored to whatever the president's tastes are. So that's kind of fun too. Do, so do they have like a lineup like, hey, this is his favorite, second favorite, third favorite? I mean, is there like a whole list of different types of desserts? Let's just say there's a curation of the menu tied to the president's taste which you as an Italian will appreciate. (laughs) I can certainly appreciate that. And good to know. I love that. That's fantastic. Whatever he's liking or she's liking, that's what you're going to be eating. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, thanks for sharing that. I had to get that in there just because I was so curious. Let's go back to it, Julian. You started having these aha moments. Hey, let's take this previous expertise. Let's start building it for healthcare. Was the industry receptive? Were you ahead of the game? Were people like, what the heck are you talking about? You know, sometimes as you probably know, and you see a lot of decks and a lot of presentations from entrepreneurs that again, as you mentioned earlier, wanting to change the game. Sometimes a lot of us are looked at with a little bit of that deer in headlights, right? Like, what are you talking about? How is this going to work in healthcare? Did you have any of that when you first started coming up with these ideas? No doubt, right? Because the concept of putting people together, person to person, single multi-party video from anywhere in the world is sort of the dynamic conversation that happens can solve real problems, right? And so I think in healthcare, we were certainly out of the market. I mean, there was telemedicine, but telemedicine was basically like what Zoom is today. It's kind of like just putting a medium between a doctor and somebody. You don't really know much about that doctor and whatnot. And the conversations we were having at the time with our customers who were both consumers, but more so employers, they would ask us, well, why don't I just walk down the street and see my doctor? What's the benefit of doing it over a video? Like, don't they need to lay hands on me? Don't I need to look them in the eye and all that kind of stuff? And we really spent a lot of time sort of talking about the benefits of virtual care, efficiencies it brings, the efficiencies and time it brings for both sides. And really what I think COVID did for us candidly is it just much like Zoom, much like it changed the workplace, it radically changed the environment in healthcare where everybody was forced into a virtual medium. And typically, if you read history, like when things like that radically change, you know, if people really don't like it, it'll kind of snap back when it kind of normalizes. But in this situation, you had, you know, north of 75% of people really willing to engage in virtual care post-COVID. And here's the most important thing, you know, doctors who are like, what is this video thing? I see people in person. 80% of doctors are going to engage in virtual care post-COVID, right? The Cleveland Clinic says that 50% of their outpatient engagements will be virtual in three to four years. What we've learned and what we knew was that you could create really amazing connections by video between people. And I'll give you a simple example. I remember a member saying to us, she's like, yeah, gosh, I go to the doctor's office and like I stare at the back of her head as she's reading my chart. Whereas this, like, you know, you and I are in video now, it's not going to be shown, but you and I are looking at each other. We can connect. We can talk to each other. I can see your face and whatnot. So there's simple things like that that are really efficient. The on-time sort of throughput that can happen with a doctor. So doctors are able to spend more time with you. Patients are able to be in the comfort of their own homes. 
It's a really awesome thing in many ways for healthcare because it will drive a lot of efficiencies. COVID is not awesome, but this particular thing, I would argue also in the future of work is going to be very valuable for working dads and moms. I think it's a very productive sort of step versus everybody kind of hopping on the train or getting in the car and commuting to work five days a week. I think the same thing can be done in healthcare. The McKinsey study that came out, $250 billion market in virtual care projected in five years up from like double digits, meaningful change in the market. So now it's really about there's been so much capital invested in the sector for the buyers. It's really kind of separating the noise from, you know, the wading through the noise and trying to find the best possible solutions for a particular customer. And we have certain views on that as well. Well, and I appreciate that, Julian. I think we are still early. I think it's still frothy in the marketplace and that's okay, right? Just, you know, I was very fortunate to be in the Bay Area in the 90s and attending school and playing college football at Stanford and been literally watching the internet be turned on by my classmates, right? It, it was a mess, right? I mean, there were things that were flying and dying quickly. It was frothy, it was messy and there's nothing wrong with that because look at where we are today, right? I see a lot of that right now in healthcare and innovation. And so I think we're gonna continue to figure out what is best in class, what will be working, what will not. And there's nothing wrong with that process and those cycles. But back to your point too, I wanted to quickly highlight, I couldn't agree more this notion of using tele-applications, not just for healthcare, but for work writ large, our life writ large, our work here at Olive. We went all in on what we call the grid model. You can work anywhere you want. We don't even use the term, you know, remotely working. You're either on the grid or you're off the grid and you can do that from wherever you can produce your best work. So that's just in regards to our own company. Now let's get back to healthcare. This is here to stay. There's no doubt about it. I've read that McKinsey study myself. So I know you see and hear a lot of pitches yourself. Well, now it's your time to pitch, Julian. What is Sumus? <laughs> yeah, so Sumus is, I'll just give you the short overview. We're a virtual care platform focused in specialty care. So we've built a network of leading doctors across U.S. healthcare system and increasingly globally that are willing to engage within hours and days with our members across any health question. What we've done is we've built a marketplace that has been really attractive to the top academic medical centers in the country, and their doctors are working across you know, really all health, all diagnoses with our members. And that can be, as I sort of said earlier, sort of pediatric development issues, simple things like allergies to weight management to diabetes, all the way up to ALS and cancer. And the premise of what we do is, you know, the fundamental value of what we do is helping people make better, more cost-efficient medical decisions through access to high-quality expertise. And there's clear data out there that says, and this is the whole centers of excellence concept in healthcare, which is if you connect with high-quality doctors quickly when you have a thing, or even before you have a thing, you are going to optimize your decision-making, optimize your care on a go-forward basis, drive better outcomes for yourself, and ultimately drive cost efficiencies for whoever's paying for your care. And typically that's employers. Yeah. So there you go, employer. So I was going to ask the question, building a buy-sided marketplace, you know, as well as I do, not easy. So you talk about building the stable of amazing industry leaders in regards to their profession and their expertise. How are you building the other side of that marketplace, the consumer or the employee? It sounds like you guys are going after the employer market. What's the other side of that marketplace? Yeah. I mean, look, in any consumer play, as you know, given your experience, it's a lot about the product, right? And in, in the enterprise side, you, know, you do have to get the product right, but it's all about distribution. That's the biggest opportunity and challenge for us is we have an incredible product that's driving a multiple of utilization versus the traditional kind of second opinion category in specialty care, five to seven times that category. And we have member numbers and data in terms of net promoters and, and feedback scores that are really off the charts. So the product is really, really incredible. Some of the best doctors in the world love working with us. We also have another network of what we call Sumus MDs. 
Those are ER internal medicine doctors that really allow us to really broaden that funnel. The buy side of the market is really, you know, we focus mostly in the sort of, let's call it 10,000 employees and below. You know, the jumbo market's attractive, but it's very crowded, right? And it's a pretty significant process to engage there. If for us, it really comes down to three things. What's historically happened over the past two, three years with employers is there's been so much investment in this. They've adopted virtual care. They've adopted all these different types of solutions, but that's also a problem. They're running into what I call a tapestry problem, right? So they've got 15 different things that they're offering their employees. And you know this, when you're building an internet company, you want to give people three options, right? <laughs> so you got 15 different things. Nobody knows what to use and your utilization's low. And so your ROI and that overall spend is actually fairly low. So I think we're actually getting to a place where, you know, the future of virtual care is really about what does quality really look like? And that's why what we stand for, really, this future of virtual care is quality. And then they want platforms that are broad and also integrated with each other. So you go from 15 down to like four, right? And so our opportunity in the employer market is really being the digital front door into specialty care, high quality specialty care. We have relationships with all the centers of excellence. We can connect people within hours to our Sumas MDs, all of whom are massively credentialed, great ER internal medicine doctors who are available virtually. And then we can escalate them to experts. And then we can also navigate them into in-person care because our platform integrates with the plan. I think our opportunity on the demand side, I mean, we've had tremendous success, especially over the last 12, 18 months. You know, we work with companies that are 50,000 employees and north of 50,000 employees. And we have a ton of companies and platforms. So we're ultimately trying to reach employees. Either that's through Ben Admin platforms or things that aggregate a lot of smaller companies or direct to larger employees in the middle market. So we've got a you know an excellent commercial team. We've got some cool, some great people out there, some great relationships with the benefits consultant world. And then I would also say I spend a lot of time on sort of the we can also be the Intel inside for specialty care with a lot of the established bigger platforms and clinic models. Right. So those are all really interesting conversations for us as well. The Amwells of the world, the Babylon Health, or those types of big platforms. I love how you said it. You give too many choices, then nothing gets done. It really, it's two words, analysis, paralysis, right? I could not agree more with you out there. When you throw too many features or options at the buy side, demand side, then this seems like nothing really gets done. So I definitely am a big fan of your vision and, and your thoughts there as well. So Julian, let's start looking a little forward state, right? So things have changed dramatically and you already kind of mentioned it with COVID. As I like to say in this podcast, yes, COVID and a horrendous thing for this planet and for so many communities across the world, but there are phoenixes that are going to be rising from those ashes. And we've kind of already been talking about it today. And I think things are going to continue to change and continue to evolve. Where do you see things heading again, not just for Sumas, but for the industry writ large? What are you seeing from your perspective and as a leader in the industry, where are things heading again, not just for your company, but for all of us as an industry? I think it's value-based care, population health. That's a trend that is going to continue, but it doesn't happen overnight, right? It really takes years and maybe a decade to really be, be entrenched. I would say there's a lot more emphasis on data. So there's so much data in healthcare now, and there's companies like ours and data-focused companies like Komodo Health, who's, I know their CEO very well, really doing really cool stuff with data that can tie into predictive elements where companies like ours can come in and say, hey, Mike, you should talk to this person. It's probably worth having a conversation with us because you know X, Y, and Z are showing a high risk 
for this type of thing, right? So there's a lot of predictive elements that I think will come in. We'll also be able to sort of measure the outcomes in a much more precise way in terms of the impact that companies like ours and doctors are having. And look, this goes back to my first comment, which is there's a dose of humility here. Like I don't pretend to be an expert on the whole where in the entire healthcare you know spectrum is going, but I do think you know within the virtual care world, uh, which I can speak sort of you know authoritatively on, you know, massive adoption, health systems, carriers you know, employers, you just have like massive adoption of virtual care and everybody's trying to figure out a strategy. We also power, we sell our platform or license it as a SaaS platform to leading health systems. So we work with them on sort of how do they scale their specialist expertise across state and international boundaries? Because there's lots of efficiencies that can come through that because they just have antiquated tech or they have bodies doing it. So I would say, again, a big piece of healthcare, not everything. Look, if Somebody comes to us and they need blood work, they need MRI, like you got to go in person, right? There are applications for in-person care and there are applications for virtual care. So look, you know, healthcare costs continue to go up. Employers are continuing to, to sort of look at what's the magic wand that'll kind of bend the cost curve. You have all these companies like ours trying to prove to them that we can do it. And I think the future is sort of what I talked about. We're moving away from sort of a tapestry approach to, you know, there'll be some winners, there'll be some losers, and then there'll be sort of, you know, there'll be a fair amount of consolidation in this healthcare of the next one to five years. That's my sort of broad, broad brush answer to that question. Yeah. And I agree, Julian, we're seeing it, right? We're seeing, you know, we just saw, you mentioned Amwell earlier. We just saw, you know, some big moves with Conversa just a couple of weeks ago, right? We're seeing that happening in real time. I'm personally, I'm a big fan of it. It's needed, especially to drive towards what you mentioned, bending that cost curve. It's going to be so important for us to take those next big steps in this industry. So thank you for sharing that, Julian. Of course, we always want to turn the tables on you and see how we can be helping you and your team out. An amazing community rallied around this podcast. So what's one problem, need, or question that you and the Sumas team have that we can be contemplating or helping you with? Wow, that's a good question, Mike. I'm racking my brain as we think about this. I would say, look, if you're affiliated with a health system, yeah, reach out to us, right? We love working with health systems. We love working with the physicians at health systems. Ultimately, our mission is really to change the marketplace for expertise for top doctors, right? We want to be the leading doctor's choice where, you know, the top doctors in the world want to sort of work within Sumis and work with our members. I think if people are interested in sort of having that discussion, you know, we have incredible discussions with AMCs across the country about their strategies and whatnot, and just help them both with thought leadership, how to think about what's happening relative to their peers and whatnot, and really creatively thinking about how tech can really help them you know, again, they're rethinking their business models. What is the hospital sort of health system, you know, model of the future? You know, is it a nodal model? How do we do that? What's the balance between tech and bricks and mortar and all that kind of thing? So I would say that would be valuable, Mike. I mean, there's probably a lot of questions we could use help with, but yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a big one. And I know that there's an audience out there to help you with that exact need and a lot of good conversations around that topic. But in order to do that, Julian, we need to be able to get a hold of you. So where are some contact points online, social media handles, websites, or otherwise? Yeah, I would direct people to start our website. It's www.sumusglobal.com, S-U-M-M-U-S global.com. You can check us out. You can get in touch with me through the site. We'd love to hear from you and tell you a little bit about Sumus. Easy enough. For our community tuning in, you just simply scroll down your favorite podcast player and click on through to get a hold of Julian and the team, as well as over on our free global online community, passionatepioneers.com. There will be a post for this episode where you can leave some comments, feedback, questions, or otherwise, again, over at passionatepioneers.com. All right, Julian, we're winding it down. Got to get you back to that team. Keep pushing the mission for Sumas forward. But before we cut you loose, I have one of my favorite parts of the podcast, a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because? Because I'm committed to the mission. I love it. Short, sweet, to the point. I love it. 
I love it. Well, Julian, it is an absolute honor to have you on the podcast today to hear everything happening in your company and with your mission and journey at hand. And of course, talk a little bit of food from the White House. I haven't had a chance to do that yet. Thank you for that. And of course, on the front end of all of this, the incredible advice you have for our community. Thank you again for being with us today, Julian. We're rooting you on and I'm really looking forward to continuing this conversation with you. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Much appreciated. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.